Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day. What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. In Illinois, the Department of Children and Family Services got problems. Ben had problems for years. A department that's been mismanaged for decades, now averaging more than a death a month for kids in their care. Kids in crisis, forced to sleep in offices because they have no place else to go. A DCFS official was held in contempt of court for the 12th time since January. DCFS is responsible for a whole lot of stuff. From finding foster homes for children, to preventing child abuse, to supporting parents, guardians, and families. But their biggest task is protecting children, keeping kids in Illinois safe from harm. That means the success of the agency is pretty damn important. Here's WBEZ State House reporter Alex Degman. Their basic charge is to care for the most vulnerable kids in our state. Given that, why does the agency have such a long history of failures? I mean, it goes back decades. How does funding factor into all of this? And they have yet another new director starting next month. What's going to happen with her? Alex is about to get into all of that, starting with a lawsuit from over 35 years ago that really drew people's attention to the agency. 1988 is when people in Illinois really started paying attention to DCFS and the problems that were starting to percolate there. And that's when the ACLU of Illinois sued. And they claimed that foster kids weren't just they weren't getting basic needs. They weren't given proper food, clothing, shelter. Uh, they weren't safe. Their mm. foster parents were issuing discipline by beating uh, in a lot of cases. Wow. And the case got settled a few years later in 91 by a federal consent decree. Um, there, DCFS basically promised to hire more people to monitor abuse cases. And they promised to do some other things. But by 94, people realized that, well, DCFS hasn't complied with half of this. Mm. And over the next few years, the decree got modified a couple of times to reflect new concerns. They're still trying to figure out things like uh, educational outcomes, mental health. And then the caseloads kept growing to a point where there weren't enough frontline workers, which is still a problem today. Fast forward a little bit. uh, 2009 happened. And that's when the funding for DCFS started to be cut. And it started to be cut, uh, I I guess, in ways that were detrimental. In fact, it was so bad. In 2009, uh, Governor Pat Quinn at the time wanted to cut more from the DCFS budget than the federal court would allow. Wow. If Quinn's proposed budget cuts had gone through, the court said, there's no way you're going to be able to comply with with this consent decree. Mm-hmm. So those budget cuts were essentially, I know this is not proper terminology, but the court essentially canceled out those budget cuts. They said no. Mm. Even still, there were problems. There weren't yeah. enough workers. There, and that has continued all throughout this decade. And then we saw that culminate at the end of uh, Mark Smith's tenure in 22, 23. Tell me about Mark Smith. When did he enter into the story of DCFS? The story of Mark Smith begins in 2019. Governor J.B. Pritzker came in in 2018, and one of his things was DCFS is a mess. We have to fix it. We're not doing a good enough job. I mean, the state of Illinois for years has not taken care of these most at-risk children. Um, And I just I'm determined to work day and night to make significant improvements in this. So Mark Smith was appointed and Mark Smith was J.B. Pritzker's guy. 
And the governor stood by Mark Smith for through pretty much thick and thin. Um, <laughs> there, there was a lot of thick. What was the main incident in 2022 that became so pivotal for Mark Smith? Well, Smith was held in contempt a lot in 2022. And when it got to case number 12, people looked at that and they, I mean, they, they were shocked before, but a lot of people said 12 times. How is this possible? How could you be held in contempt of court a dozen times? And the case that spurred that was a 15-year-old girl. She was in a psychiatric hospital, a lockdown, and a court ordered her to be released and placed into an appropriate setting on January 14th. Uh, that date came and went. She wasn't placed. So the court gave DCFS a very specific new timeline. I think it was uh, like March 8th by 5 p.m. Mm. And they missed that, too. Uh, in May, DCFS came back to court and said she'd be placed by June. And court said, OK, well, we won't issue a content finding right now. But they did at the end of July when the girl still had not been placed. Smith, but technically DCFS, uh, were supposed to be charged $1,000 a day until they were placed. But... In each of these cases, the child was placed before the contempt fines kicked in. Hmm. It was really interesting to hear from Charles Goldberg. He's the Cook County Public Guardian who works with these kids on behalf of DCFS. And I didn't talk to him today, but he wrote in an email that it's hard to think of a better way to say to a child that you don't matter than forcing the child to languish for months and months on end in a locked psychiatric hospital, a temporary shelter, or shuffled around among dozens of inappropriate settings, including offices, because your guardian has nowhere to place you. Wow. How did Mark Smith respond to all of this? Well, Mark Smith and Governor J.B. Pritzker responded by basically saying this is not a short fix. This is a long term fix that we have been working on as a state and as an agency for like 30 to 40 years. And this is not going to be fixed overnight. But there are things we are doing, they said, like increasing the budget, like hiring more people, like putting people into positions that have been vacant for a long time so that maybe there could be some continuity, but the outcomes haven't really matched that. And that's what lawmakers were starting to talk to them about all throughout 2022 and parts of 23 when they would have hearings and Mark Smith would be called before these lawmakers to answer questions about how this is happening. The answer was really always the same. Uh, we're getting more money. This takes time. Um, tell me more about some of the reactions from lawmakers when they heard about what was going on. Outrage. Uh, there, there was outrage from all aspects of the political spectrum, all angles, because when kids are in trouble, especially really vulnerable kids yeah. that have mental health issues, that have physical health issues, that have nowhere to go because they have a really poor home life, mm -hmm. it, that that tugs at heartstrings, that gets people in action. So even though Illinois is run by a, a very Democratic legislature that's pretty loyal to the governor in most instances, you know, it's really hard to stand by them in a, in, a, in a situation like this. And that's what happened. You saw uh, DCFS individuals get called before lawmakers in multiple hearings and just basically get raked over the coals. Yeah. 
It's an embarrassment for the state of Illinois that we are not in constitutional compliance in providing care for these vulnerable children. In fact, there was a news conference uh, not too long ago, it was just a couple of months ago, with uh, Senate Republican leader John Curran, and we asked him what he might want to see in a new director, what he thinks the priorities are for DCFS going forward. We should be getting quarterly updates on their progress in in, um, bringing the state into compliance with the consent decree in the legislature. That's a must. We have not been making progress in that regard. That has to change. And that's basically a summary of what a lot of Republican lawmakers have been saying for the last couple of years. It's embarrassing. It's it's just really bad that we're not following this longstanding consent decree. And somebody's got to get in there to get us under compliance. Yeah. So these are basically the circumstances um, under which Director Mark Smith announced his resignation, which was supposed to go into effect December 31st of last year, but now has been extended to January 31st um, of, of this month, of this year. Was there something specific, though, at all that prompted this resignation announcement? I think a lot of people can read between the lines as to what the reason for his resignation was. But um, no, he, he he didn't specifically say I'm leaving because I feel like I have not held up my end of the bargain. I feel like I have failed or anything like that. But it's just time to move on. He had been the longest serving director in 13, 14 years. And he felt uh, based on the based on the statements that we got and based on interviews that other people did that. He felt there was a lot of progress that had been made and kind of that the groundwork is being set for some really great improvements in the next few years. Now, granted, we've been hearing that for uh, for a long time, but there is mm. something to be said for that because the budgets that DCFS are, en- are enjoying now, uh, they're far and away different and better mm. than what they were dealing with for 10 years prior. Okay, let's get into that. So I know a lot of times people talk about the lack of resources when it comes to state departments like this. You talked about in the past funding being cut for DCFS. How has funding looked, though, during Mark Smith's tenure? Well, the short answer is the budget in the last five years for DCFS has almost doubled. Uh, fiscal year 2019, I think the budget was $1.8 billion, And the year that we're in now, uh, the budget is $2.03 billion. So that is just an exceptional increase in funding that really they haven't seen in a really long time. And a lot of the advocates that I'm talking to say that this isn't even really all that much. I mean, it is, but considering what the needs are and how long they say they were underfunded, this is appropriate. So the funding situation is really good. But again, um, child advocates are pointing to the things that we just talked about a few minutes ago, like all of these children are still not being cared for and they're they're not the only ones. There are a lot of DCFS problems that still exist. And so far, the doubling of the budget hasn't fixed them. Hmm. So um, Mark Smith has had this tumultuous time in office. Um, As you mentioned, he was literally charged with contempt a dozen times. Four and a half years he served, the longest DCFS tenure in a long time. How would you say people are going to remember his tenure? First of all, people are going to remember his name. That's the thing about DCFS that a lot of people don't realize is that Mark Smith served for four and a half years. And when you look at some of the other DCFS directors that have served in the last uh, decade or so, he's the longest by far. I mean, the new director is coming in as the 
13th new director in 14 years. Ugh. But Mark Smith served for four and a half of those. Wow. So I think people are going to remember the fact that he oversaw just year after year after year of budget increases. And as far as staff is concerned, there's a lot more now than there used to be. Uh-huh. But what's been done with it? Yeah. A lot of people say it's really good to have that consistency in there because when you have shifting directors and like people coming in and out all the yeah. time, there's a, a there's a power vacuum and people don't really know who to report to. People don't know what to do. But that wasn't the case. So leadership was steady. Funding was increasing, but the outcomes weren't there. Yeah. And I think that's what people are going to remember. So Governor Debbie Pritzker um, has just announced a new director, Heidi Miller, who will start on February 1st of this year. Who is she? Heidi Miller, uh, she's been around state government for a while, but admittedly, she has been running the Illinois Department of Juvenile Justice since 2016. So Mm. I don't really know a whole lot about her, but she became the Department of Juvenile Justice director under Router, and she remained at the post all throughout uh, J.B. Pritzker's tenure so far. And one of her key achievements at Juvenile Justice was the so-called 21st Century Transformation Plan. And that is basically a sea change in how incarcerated youth are looked after. Instead of the current setup, which is kind of like adult jails with barbed wire around the outside and big institutions, Mm. they're trying to send these kids to smaller, more group-like settings that Mm. maybe serve like 20 to 30 kids at a time instead of this current model. They want to get that done in the next few years. And that means that she has experience dealing with youth and troubled youth especially, but she deals with more of the like the the criminal aspect, the incarcerated mm-hmm. youth, more than foster kids looking for a home. But with that, you know, there is a lot of experience that she can bring to the table. Um, she's trauma informed. She's familiar with kids from different backgrounds. And the effort to try to shift away from mass housing like this uh, without regard for individual needs, that's something that DCFS is also trying to do. And that's you know, what they've been trying to do for a while. Given that, do you have a sense of what we can expect from the tenure that she's starting? So I think we're going to see a lot of hope. There's a lot of hope that's coming out from child advocates, especially because a lot of folks around the state, especially people who have worked with kids, know Heidi Miller. They know what she's done at IDJJ. And one of those folks is Charles Goldberg. He's the Cook County Public Defender. He's the person who I read the quote from earlier. And he just, he's, he's excited about Miller because she brings the kind of attitude to the table that he's hoping that the new director would bring. In the past, uh, we've gotten decent data about what some of the issues are and ways to approach them. And DCFS looks at the data and says, okay, and they continue doing things. They redoubled down on, on the way they had been doing things. So what the department needs is uh, someone who has a reputation like she does as a reform-minded thinker, as a Ford thinker as a futuristic type of thinker. Alex, you've been covering DCFS for a couple years now. And here we are with yet another director, the 13th in 14 years. Um, I just wonder with all these changes, still far from a perfect system with DCFS, talk about the impact a director can really make in your estimation and, and what you've gathered through your reporting. Well, it really goes back to what we were talking about a little earlier, and that is consistency. If there is a change in director every few months, that means that there's a time gap between when they leave and when the interim comes in and then when the new director is announced. And we don't know what policy changes are going to be made there. 
we don't know if there are going to be any made. And like if this, if the temporary director puts something in, does that mean that the new director is going to take it out because they don't like it? It's just uh, it's, uh, there's a lot of things that could happen. And even though there weren't uh, there wasn't a whole lot of progress during Smith's tenure on a lot of things the uh, again, the one thing that people said was the consistency really helped. And the consistency mm. of policy was really uh, instrumental to try to do what little they could. So uh, my hope is that when Heidi Miller comes in, that she'll have a similar tenure because that's where everything starts. It starts with uh, consistent leadership and adequate funding. They've had one of those things for uh, the last four to five years, and now they're just trying to find the other one, a leadership structure that's going to be able to take all of that and build on the progress that's been made so far. Alex Degman is a State House reporter at WBEZ. Alex, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Clee for editing the show. Brendan Banaszak is our executive producer. Justin also engineered this episode. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR Network. If you love the show, rate us, review us. It helps more people find The Rundown. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you later.